Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nettling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of our podcast is to share topics and guests that will empower you to grow as a confident leader and take your business or your life to the next level. Today, I'm very pleased to have my guest, Ramona Shah, and let me tell you about Ramona. She is a certified professional leadership coach, host of the Manager Track podcast, and author of The Confident and Competent new manager, how to rapidly rise to success in your first leadership role. She is especially passionate about having new and mid-level managers become the best version of themselves, strengthening their leadership and communication skills, raising their confidence and resilience, and increasing their focus and overall effectiveness so that they feel less stressed and more fulfilled in their leadership roles. Our theme for today is going to be how to crush self-doubt and and build greater confidence as a leader. Please join me in welcoming Ramona Shaw. Hey, Ramona. Hi, Vicki. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for being a guest. Very excited about this topic. Obviously, confidence is something I always love to talk about. But, you know, self-doubt is, I think, especially in these last several years, not even just the last two years, but probably the last maybe five or 10 years has been a, a thing that keeps us from getting ahead, getting where we're going. And the last two years made us start to reflect upon it. Mm-hmm. and maybe make some changes. So we'll talk about all those different things today. I always start with an easy question. Tell the audience what part of the country you call home. Uh, I call home San Francisco ah. these days. I was actually born and raised in Switzerland and moved out here in my late 20s. Uh, but this is home now, and I'm super yeah. grateful to live here. Mm-hmm. You don't miss the snow? Not really. You know, Tahoe gives it to me like once or twice a year for a weekend or a week or so. And that's all the snow that I need. (laughs) I'm there. I'm there right right there with you. I moved from Pittsburgh here and it's like uh, I got home for Christmas and that is all the snow I need. (laughs) All of it. (laughs) Okay. So what are the biggest and the most common mistakes that a newly promoted manager or supervisor makes. Yeah. Yeah. And and when I speak about managers, I do think super of supervisors as managers as well, or even team leaders, or even yeah. at this point, also people who have informal uh leadership responsibilities. Yeah. Uh, as well. And yeah, the so this is a topic that I often talk about. And actually I'm gonna quickly tie this back into 
the conversation around confidence, because when people get promoted into their first leadership role, if you look at this on a spectrum uh, from left to right or from one to 10, mm-hmm. then some people are on that side of the one where, let's say, their confidence is super high. They think, you know what, I've been pretty successful. I'm the highest performer on this team. I deserve this leadership role. I've worked my way up. Uh, I got this. I will be successful. And mm. there we go. And the boss says, you'll do great. Congratulations. Off you, off to the races. And um, on the other side of the spectrum is a new manager who starts to think, wait, wait a second. What? Me? Leading? <laughs> I now should be telling my former peers what they're doing well and what they're not doing well. And who am I to be in this role? And I don't know enough. And I sit on these in these leadership meetings, but everyone else is more senior or more and more experienced. Um, or they just seem so much more of leader, mm-hmm. of a leader than mm-hmm. I feel that I am. Uh, and so they're, they're the two sides on that spectrum. And sometimes we think, well, being on that confident side, maybe the one versus the 10, that's the better place to be. And I would actually challenge that and say, no, because there are benefits on both sides and there are also negative sides to Mm -hmm. both ends of this spectrum. When you're super confident, you actually likely ignore the things that you don't know yet you don't all the things you don't know you don't know Mm -hmm. seems like a really small slice Mm -hmm. and I personally found myself more on that side I wasn't maybe at a one but maybe at a two or a three but I thought yeah this is a little tricky and I get that I have to lead people who are way older than I am I was in a male-dominated industry I was in a new country at the time I let my former um, peers and I thought they were amazing but I still felt, no, I got this. I'll, mm. I like challenges. I don't mind. I'm going to figure this out. On the other side, though, which, by the way, didn't pan out that way at all. <laughs> <laughs> I did not have it. I, can, I did not uh, do a good job. I've been there, done that. <laughs> I have the T-shirt for sure. Yes. <laughs> and the coffee mug, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so that didn't wait, um, work out for me. And it took a year or two for me to realize like, oh, wow, I am really not doing a job here. And thank God my team was really strong. So there wasn't really an an issue on the performance level, but I was not well. I was frustrated and stressed out and didn't lead well and just felt everything felt harder than it needed to be. When I now look at people who are on this other side of the spectrum who come into or reach out to me and say, hey, I'm about to be promoted. I don't know how to lead. I really want to do a good job. And I worry that I may not. And and I'm curious about your training opportunities or development programs. I am so impressed because the people who are on that seven, eight, nine, ten 10 scale of the uh, uh, year that we're looking at, they have the awareness. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a very different job. And there are a lot of things I'm not aware of. And they come into programs like sponges. Mm-hmm. They learn, they apply, they rethink, they try again. They try to optimize. They're constantly aware of what is new to me and how should yeah. I navigate this? They'll ask questions. Um, and so that is a really it is a really strong benefit. And of course, then the side effect, the negative side of this, so the, flip, the flip side, is that it's harder to navigate the day to day because they constantly have to self doubts running through their head, yeah. and that's that can hold them back. It can make them show up less confident. 
uh, and sometimes as a result, less credible or they are not speaking up and not really um, demonstrating their, their fullest potential as a result of this. So it, it on both ends, there are pros and cons. And I think this is important to bring into the conversation as well. Yeah, we probably could spend just a whole podcast just on this because, you know, all the dynamics that come into that situation you have, if you're going in and you they were your peers, then you may have somebody that thought that they were better for that job than you. Mm-hmm. And so you have constant challenging of your position. So how do you handle that? And, and you're trying to learn this new job and trying to learn how to manage people. And, and there are just a ton of things to think about whenever you take on that new role. So, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, I can go into some of these common mm-hmm. mistakes if mm-hmm. that would be helpful. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I talk about this in in my book that you mentioned in the intro. Um, mm-hmm. But one of and this is what I what I often see and the reason why I wrote the book to really talk about the shifts, because oftentimes people think, uh, especially based on, you know, I, I sit here in front of a lot of books and <laughs> books tell us there's a skill, their leadership skills that you need mm-hmm. to learn. And so we may think, oh, this is something very practical that I need to learn similar to how I've learned the technical or the hard skills that I now mm-hmm. apply in my job. But when it comes to transitioning from an IC, an individual contributor role into a leadership role, it's not just a difference in skills that you need. Right. It's also a mindset shift that you need to yeah. make about how it, what it means to be an employee or what a, a professional now as a leader versus as right. an individual contributor. What, mm-hmm. what is success now? It used right. to be all about my individual success. Now it's really not about that anymore. Right. And that is not going to be the thing that's gonna that's gonna help me be a um a, a leader people want love to work for. Mm-hmm. And so the one of the, some of the common mistakes are this idea that we bring in the mindset from the past and we think, oh, what's gonna make me be seen as a credible and respected leader is if I have all the answers. Yeah. Like if I know all the things. <laughs> Which we're like, we, one, we don't. And <laughs> two, is the misconception. It's not true. Yeah, right. Uh, it's, it's a lot more, we get a lot more credibility for being humble, being curious, being open-minded to different ideas, to acknowledge yeah. what we know and what we don't know and so forth. <clears throat> um, we also often think that we used to be the go-to people um, in most times. The high performers who get promoted were the, those who were able to execute well. And so we may think, well, this is what made me successful. So therefore, this will also keep making me successful. And I may have this need to be a driving force, to fix what is broken, to uh, people will send me things. I think it's not good enough. I will be the one bringing it to cross the finish line. I will be the one who's editing emails or documents Mm -hmm. and sending them out. I'll be the one who's finalizing presentations. And it completely diminishes your management. Yeah, management and, <laughs> and people's agency and their mm-hmm. confidence as a result yeah. of it. Yeah. The the I have to do it my way, dele- no delegation happening. And that person is going to stress out. That person yeah. is going to burn out. Yeah. And it comes from best intentions. Like yeah, I really sure. feel for that. It's not that people who have a hard time in these early years of leadership, which by the way, when we look at studies, 
uh, you know, the one bit the, the, that often gets cited is for, by CEB now, now Gartner, who published that within the first two years of a new manager on the job is 40 to 60 percent, actually, based on Gartner's study, it's 60 percent of the new managers fail within their first two yeah. years. And I see this a lot when people come to me either a year in and they're struggling or they're two years in and they're about to get demoted and they're seeing if something can be rescued or they come mm-hmm. to me after demotion and they say, I want to figure this out. Oh. I really <laughs> want to lead again and I feel really low in my confidence. Yeah. So I want to do this training to get better at it and start applying and, and then see a path forward. Yeah. And I and and I feel with that because I think the in, institutionally we're not really set up to support new managers in that transition and help them build on yeah. confidence, right? Once we are competent, we develop our confidence alongside with it. And sadly, this also applies if it's uh, on a negative trend. Yeah. And and it's uh, an important comment or distinction too is when you are the manager that's promoting that person, are you promoting them because they're the best person for the job or the person who's best to lead that job? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times we choose a person because they they know how to do the job real well when we think, oh, well, you should be the leader and they haven't the skills or the even sometimes inclination to lead. And that's fear kind of hampers their skills growth as well. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes even what I hear from managers who promote first time first time managers, there may be a a high performer on the team and they worry that if they promote someone who's less senior or someone with with you know who hasn't been in the company for as long right, as this right. high performer, that then the high performer will quit and say there's no way I will be led, I will be led by this coworker. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if I'm not reporting into you, I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah. So what is the biggest challenge then for those first time managers? Yeah, I really think that if we boil it down, I think the biggest challenge is to understand uh, and and figure this out in the first six to 12 months. Mm -hmm. How do I how do I develop the skills, really the behaviors? Yeah, I refer to this often as sort of the leadership system in terms of all the little components how do I interview? How do I onboard? How do I have performance reviews? How do I get feedback? What do coaching conversations as managers look like? Mm-hmm. How do I delegate? How do I manage my time? You know, they're from one-on-one meetings to office hours that some people do. How yeah. do I make sure I block have enough time to do my strategic work? Yeah. The meetings I'm in or the meetings that I'm leading. So all these behavioral things that they have to figure out and at the same time, they also have to shift their mindset and how they what they consider to be successful or mm-hmm. what they consider to be a productive day. Yeah. It used to be a productive day is knocking a lot of th- stuff out of mm-hmm. their to-do list. <laughs> that is no longer a productive day for a leader. Yeah, for sure. So what is the best advice that you were going to give those first-time employers if you were their manager? Yeah, and actually you... You uh, made me aware of this just a moment ago when you said, if you're a manager promoting new managers, right? It's really thinking about 
who am I promoting? Mm-hmm. And are they really the right fit for the right. leadership role? Not necessarily mm-hmm. because they have the highest expertise, mm-hmm. but also then once I do promote them, what as a manager, what's my game plan to support them? Yeah. In this transition, right? It's the the idea of putting someone, maybe talked about snow earlier, <laughs> mm-hmm. putting someone on a on a on a steep hill who's never had any ski yes. lessons and we put on the skis and we say, good luck, <laughs> tap on the back. I'll see you at the bottom. Um, and that doesn't work. So to figure yeah. out how do I help them get down the mountain in a safe way for themselves, but also for the rest of the team so that they're not hurting, demotivating, um, disempowering their team members. Right. And right. they themselves are building up a strong reputation and good leadership habits that then, will support the performance of the team, but also has a ripple effect for any other leaders, co-workers, employees across the organization. And, and it is a ripple effect too, because that new manager has people that they have to lead. They have to advise counsel and everything. So what they're being taught, what they're being, the example that is being given to them by their manager is going to be impactful to how effective they are. So if their manager is like said, here, have a nice day, that person doesn't have the tools to be able to have that coaching, that counseling, that advisor for their people under them. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it, it does have a that rippling effect. Yeah, exactly. And, and so for in terms of the best advice, it really depends a bit on where on that spectrum you land. If you're yeah. someone who's got promoted and you think, no, 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 I'll figure this out. I got this. <laughs> then, then my advice is, take a pause and really, really embrace the fact that leading is very different than being an individual contributor and start to question yourself and challenge your own thinking, developing greater self-awareness of where am I strong? And then every strength that you have can be overdone. These are the overdone strengths that turn into Mm -hmm. weaknesses. Yeah. These overdone strengths are actually blind spots. We mm. think we're doing great, right? We think um, I'm delivering results or we think even we're great collaborators and consensus seekers. But what we're doing, in fact, or what, how we're being perceived is that we're so indecisive. And we're yeah. prolonging the process. And the team is like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> where is the leader who's telling us what to do? Yeah. Um, or someone who's very analytical. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, they're starting to just overanalyze uh, everything and slowing slowing the rest of the team down, creating bottlenecks and so forth. And so there are it's the, the building the awareness is really important. Now, someone who is has the awareness and is actually more on that um, on the spectrum of where self doubt is is sort of the dominant thought in their head. Mm-hmm. The the suggestion for them is to really lean into it and embrace the discomfort. Yeah. It, this is, I just got off a coaching call and my client said, I'm so uncomfortable with this, with these kind of conversations. And then she said, but it's like horseback riding, right? If you, if you aren't comfortable, then you're not doing it right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, It will feel uncomfortable. It will feel awkward. That does not mean you're doing it wrong. Right. It just means you're learning a new skill and you're stretching and that is okay. Yeah, for sure. Nobody is expecting perfection. And that and that too. Yes. Amen. To that. 
So my listeners struggle with confidence for the most part. And as a leadership coach, what is one key thing that you advice you could give them? Yeah, I think when it comes to confidence, I always look at it as a sort of a, a two-way um, or a two-lane highway. There are, on one hand, we can accelerate on that track of actually doing the work. Mm. So through, it takes courage. So if you look at the CCC loop, mm-hmm. first C stands for courage. It takes courage to do something, like having a difficult conversation or giving tough feedback to someone. Yeah. Uh, that takes courage. So we we muster up the courage. We do something, even if totally imperfect, right? Mm-hmm. But then as a result, we start to build competence. We see what was working and what didn't work well. Mm-hmm. That helps us learn and get better. And through that competence, second C, mm-hmm. we start to develop confidence. Yes. And this is the outer confidence of like, oh, I'm confident I can do this because I've done this before. Like yeah. you and I are confident we can do podcasts mm-hmm. and we know how to publish them. We've done it many times, <laughs> many. right? So, but in the first times, like, oh my gosh, it takes a little bit of courage. And then I hit publish and this is all actually work. And we check our forms like, oh, it's actually there. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> or you hire someone to do your first one for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or that, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So it's that track of actually doing it, um, that eat this muster up the courage doing it. And then the other lane is all about the inner work. Mm. This is really doing the self-confidence work where yes. we look at, you know, what's my self-esteem? How Mindset. do I mm-hmm. self-awareness? Um, talking back mm-hmm. more than you listen to your own brain. And really being on to your brain to recognize what is the story I'm telling myself about this. So true. So what the final question before we get to rapid fire is, what is that most common reason why managers fail in that first two years? Um, The most common reason why managers fail is the lack of in my, uh, so it, to me, this is the lack of training. And I'm not saying this because I offer training. Um, I offer training because it, it is, I'm on the mission to create workplaces where yeah. people feel seen, valued, safe, respected, and feel like they can thrive. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't happen when leaders go into organizations with the best intentions, but having a negative impact on other people. Yeah, for and sure. This, and this is a hard thing to learn. Leadership mm-hmm. is a responsibility way more than it's any privilege, if any at all. It uh, The leaders grow, the rest of the team will grow. And um, w- what I see too often is that people fail or struggle. And then if they, and then we ask the question, have you had any leadership training? How did you learn how to lead? And it's a stare blank of, I don't know, learning on the job. Like, you don't learn how to ski while skiing. <laughs> well, you can, but it's... you can. You'll likely land in a hospital. Yeah, there's a snow pile in your future. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh. So, so the training, I think, is one because um, it's a broad topic. There's not one specific thing. Um, but if I had to point out, uh, like one very tangible thing that may be useful to, for the audience. I think a big, another big misconception we haven't talked about here is this idea that 
I have a leadership style and hence I will lead with this leadership style. And that mm-hmm. leadership style that I have is how I like to be led. So yeah, if um, uh, I like to have a lot of autonomy and I like to have a leader who sort of gives me all the autonomy and checks in once in a while and is really affirmative, then I think that is how employees thrive. So we take my personal experience as like a universal rule. <laughs> and then we make that our leadership style and um, we go out and we lead everyone with the same approach. It. It, right? Can't do <laughs> Nodding it. Your head. It doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Nope. And I think a lot of people, you know, down the room is like, oh my gosh, I've never thought about it, but that is so true. And so I think there's even the conversations around leadership styles. I always cringe a bit because I think, yeah, we do have a default, but then to really be effective as a leader and to do this well, you have to recognize that everyone needs you differently and you have to flex. Some people Mm -hmm. are visionaries. They like talking about the big picture. Other people will procrastinate or not show up as their best self if you don't help them figure out the next five steps yeah they need to have clarity on what to do and if you are leading the team or the people from both sides of the spectrum for example you have to know with whom do i need to talk visionary because they're Mm going to figure it out or that's what helps them do their job and with whom do i need to actually drill down and make sure that they always know the next five steps so from that i get two things first is that you need to build a relationship just like we as entrepreneurs have to get that relationship with our clients to be able to serve their needs you have to do the same for the people that work with you and Mm -hmm. for you and so that building of the relationships can help you inform you what kind of style will work with them but you also should recognize that under stress that leadership style that you talked about your default will come into play and you need to keep Mm -hmm. that in mind too, because maybe under stress, that way that you normally do is not going to work for that person you're trying to motivate or persuade. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. It's time for rapid fire. So these are five uh, questions or phrases that whatever first comes to your mind, how do you deal with toxic people at work, especially if you're a first-time manager? Ah, toxic people. (laughs) Do we need another whole podcast for this one, right? Probably do. (laughs) Uh, The first one is to figure out how much should I actually deal with them? Um, There are ways that we can deal with them. There are great books that talk about it. And then I think there are some people, and maybe some of the audience listening here, they're really good at being persistent. And um, they have this this like drive, I can stick it out. I can make this happen. I can make this work. And they stay in toxic relationships or in situations where there is toxicity and their confidence starts to diminish over time until it's too, uh, not too late, but until, you know, they cannot take it anymore. So Mm -hmm. I think for me, dealing with toxic people, we can't really change other people. So it's, can you navigate around them? Can you figure out some tips and tricks to how to better work with them based on what they need and their style. And then at what point will you leave for Mm -hmm. the sake of your own confidence and to maintain and protect this asset and confidence is an asset. Right, for sure. Top tips to fast track your leadership without adding stress or long hours. 
Yes. So first would be, of course, that you don't have to do it all. It's really embracing, yes. right? <laughs> embracing the fact that you letting go and empowering others will make your team so much stronger and better. And it would also allow you to build up the buffer that you need on top of your current responsibilities to start engaging in strategic conversations. Oh, yeah. A lot of times people come to me and they say, I'm constantly working with everyone on my team and I don't get to my strategic <laughs> deliverables or initiatives that I that my boss really needs me to work on. Mm-hmm. There's no way I can find time. I'm constantly putting out fires. And this goes back to being less reactive and more proactive. So you right. build, you really think about the way that you lead, where and why are you a bottleneck? And there are root causes to these things. Mm-hmm. Um, that would go beyond the, the rapid fire question here. Um, but then really uncovering that, fixing it so that you can create a buffer. And I've yet to find a person where <laughs> there wasn't and we weren't able to create five to 10 hours a week in extra time to then level up and start start acting like that next level, acting yeah. and thinking uh, like and interacting like that next level leader that they're um, trying to yeah. become. And that's the only way for upward mobility, really. Correct. Yeah. Three steps to achieve any career goal without giving up along the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a good time because we're getting into year end resolution time. Yeah. <laughs> too, right. Um, I think we are looking at goal setting and smart goals and, and all that way mm-hmm. too often. And we don't, um, it's a good thing, right? So all, I'm all for it, but we don't spend enough time thinking about why do we want to achieve the goal? Why, what is possible once we do achieve the goal? And what are the actual reasons for me to do this? And get really get as, as if you can get to 20 reasons, compelling reasons of why you want to pursue this goal, the better. So the more that you have and the more frequently that you look at your reasons, the more likely you are to stay engaged. Yeah. Usually we give yeah. up because we forget why we were doing it in the first place or it just doesn't seem to matter anymore. But our mm-hmm. brain has this thing called reticular activating system or RAS that will constantly filter our environment and inputs for what matters to like what matters to Vicky what doesn't matter to Vicky what matters to Vicky what doesn't it's the question that our the RIS tries Mm -hmm. to solve all day and when you're clear on your goals and your reasons your RIS will constantly give you input for things that matter. And, and when you read it every day, that's why we, we read goals every day, we start to see opportunities and things we would yeah. otherwise miss because the RAS would be like, no, not relevant. Yeah, we talked about this a month ago, but <laughs> Ramona's not really on this track anymore, it seems. <laughs> right, so, so that's one. And then the other one is um, along the way to start um, thinking, feeling, and acting as if we've already achieved the goal. Oh, yeah, this one is. Because like mm-hmm. so sometimes we think, oh, once I will have, once I, I used to have to say like, once I have my master's degree, I will feel accomplished. <laughs> it's just like, then you get your master's degree, and you're like, well, no, now I need a job. I forgot about that part. And then <laughs> once you have a job, you think, oh, oh, hold on a second. Everyone around me has like these additional degrees and certificates. I, I need those no, I too. need those too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we need to start thinking, feeling, and acting in a way that, our this future self, this person that we think will be once we've achieved the goal, 
already today and it will make achieving the goal so much more fun, easier, and probably your behavioral changes will be more sustainable. And I think if you tie that back to the people that you lead, you know, the goals that you have or that the company has, how how can we make those something that that individual can feel compelled to achieve? You know, what is it going to do for them? And I think that's oftentimes where people struggle with corporate goals or department goals is because they don't see how what they are doing in their job is really impacting the bottom line or the business. Yeah, or they disagree with the goal. Yeah. <laughs> and then we wonder why do they procrastinate? Yeah. Why don't why aren't they really engaged in this? Mm-hmm. It's probably because in their mind they're thinking this makes no sense. <laughs> this is a stupid goal. <laughs> yeah, I don't think how that's gonna help the business, or it's actually gonna upset our clients, or you know, right, there's a conflict of interest, and then yeah. What would be an ideal client for you to have? An ideal client. Oh gosh, I love um I love people who are just eager to learn, curious and humble. Um, so kind, curious, humble people are the, the people that I um love working with. And that really the, the kindness comes from we're we're want to be respectful. Yeah. Um, we're kind to each other. That's the people I want to cultivate, help and nurture, and, and see more in the workplace. The the curiosity is curiosity is just such a it's fuel to a car when it comes mm-hmm. to development. Uh, and then the humbleness is really noticing. Uh, there's leadership is a journey. It's it will and it will never end. It's a dimmer, yeah. like an endless dimmer. It's not a light switch. Mm-hmm. And when we stay humble. Uh, we, we develop this mindset of always wanting to be learning, always rethinking what we believe to be true or what we believe to be right. Um, and it makes it so much fun to work with someone who's mm. humble and curious and kind. And it really fuels the, the creativity and innovation that we need in this ever-changing world. Yeah, exactly. And then the last one, what advice would you have wished your younger self would have been given? Um, yeah, I don't know if I would have listened. <laughs> <laughs> Most people I talk to say that. It was like, well, oh, really? <laughs> I had to feel, I had to feel the pain. Um, yeah, I think I would have invested so much more on the people skill. I wish someone would have said, stop trying to, or as much for every hour that you spend learning technical skills. And for me, this was in the field of finance. Um, and private equity, every hour that you spend trying to better understand companies or investment processes or, uh, you know, investment communication, spend an hour on people skills. How do you influence, persuade, what makes someone, um, what are different personality traits? Spend as, as much time on the people skills as you do on the technical skills. And I think even now, you know, fast forward 20, 30 years, we're at that stage where we can see, oh, AI will replace certain yeah. things that we yeah. used to think only people could do. Yeah. Um, but people interactions, that's that's the never. that's the that's the thing that will never change. And it's mm-hmm. also the biggest advantage that we see or people have in order to create and the, the biggest, I guess, strength and, and resource that allows people to have a, a, a positive impact. Yeah. I agree. Things took me till I was 50 to be able to uh, say, no, this is the way I'm going to lead. 
and yeah. it makes huge difference. Yeah, back then I I don't know I I would probably not have I was like yeah yeah when I'm older, <laughs> <laughs> like forty or thirty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to share my screen. So this is the announcement for anybody that's just listening to please go ahead, grab a pencil or paper so you can get the contact information for Ramona. So you can go to RamonaShaw.com. That's R-A-M-O-N-A-S-H-A-W.com. RamonaShaw.com. She is on social media at Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn at Ramona Shaw. Um, If you just start search by Ramona Shaw, you'll find her for sure. But it is also on her website, her LinkedIn and social media links. On YouTube, she is out there and uh, YouTube always makes it so difficult. Just search by Ramona Shaw. Mm -hmm. And also she has a gift that I'll let her talk to you about. Yeah. So in my book, the book that I launched in 2022, I provide, there's the book, uh, the audiobook version, the hard copies um, as well. And when you get the book, you also get access to a range of toolkits that I offer usually or used to offer only my clients that help you lead effectively. And you, including that uh, you get an, a free assessment, a free disc awesome. assessment that will help you uh, better understand your own style and preferences. And oftentimes by doing this, we also start seeing where people on our team might be different. And that's a huge asset to have. For sure. All so right. That's from monashaw.com forward slash. I think even going to book forward slash book will get you there or new Perfect. manager book. And you have that link on your website. That's right. All righty. So get your screenshot right now. So thank you so much. And definitely there is many more conversations we can have on this subject. We only touched the surface, uh, you know, and it's a tough being a new manager, a new supervisor. There are things, as you said, that you don't know to, to even ask. And you're afraid sometimes to ask because you don't want to be perceived as that they made the wrong decision in promoting you. But, you know, I, I always would tell my people there are no dumb questions. Um, And the more that you ask, the the more you inquire, the more you're going to learn and the better you're going to be, right? Yes, 100%. Yeah. So thank you so much. Um, As always, I remind everyone that life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Nettling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nettling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.